0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Well, today I changed the sermon a bit, the series and the way it was structuring. We were going to have a different area in the sermon prayer study that we've been doing, and I decided it was better to talk about moving mountains through prayer. Because you know, sometimes we're faced with monumental tasks, aren't we? We see things that seem too big for us, they're they're just too big to climb or overcome. Maybe it's a friend's salvation that we've been praying for, that we've been begging the Lord for, that we've been sharing for ages. Maybe it's growth in our own personal walk and it seems like we keep struggling and hitting just you know a, a, a plateau rather than growing. Or maybe it's for a revival, right? In a church, in a relationship, whatever it might be, within a ministry that you might work. Whatever it might be, we're praying for a revival, a restoration, a rebuild. Whatever the heart change may be, either for you or for another, for a loved one, for a friend, for a community, Jesus tells us to ask. In order for mountains to be moved, it's not up to our own ability to speak, to create. It's not about how much Scripture you can recall. It has no bearing on you whatsoever what you can bring to the table, what you can offer. Jesus says go to Him with everything and in His might and ability ask. Believing. You will receive. In 2011, it was probably one of the worst years that I was struggling. Meg was struggling as well. In 2011, um, It was a crazy, emotional, physical, all that year. Meg's health was up and down. It was fluctuating. She was constantly sick. We didn't know what was going on. Um, Elijah had stopped breathing and had turned blue. He was our youngest. And a mentor of mine, had turned his back on us and was accusing, uh, making false accusations about me. And the problem is when people like to whisper, people like to believe, right? We all know that. And so people that I had grown up with, even in this own church, um, had rejected, rejected our family. It was very, a very, very, Painful time. i got to admit, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was throw in the towel and leave. This year came with so many painful moments. You feel drained of just about every ounce of power that's in, within you, and as you cry and cry and the tears keep on going, you mask it with, what, smiles, and really it's just tons of pain behind. Why? Because you're getting coldness for kindness, deceit for love. C.S. Lewis tells us pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And that, tra- that, that statement became true for my life at least in that moment. Because I had been deaf. And the blows of that year woke me up. And it made me realize that I wasn't trusting the Lord. I wasn't going to the Lord enough. I wasn't going to Him and saying, Lord, this is before You. You deal with it. Instead, I was trying to bear the burden, bear the load myself, and God tells us that we cannot do that. Instead, what we need to do is go to Him and beg for help. Because Jesus wants to hear your words. He wants you to go and talk to Him. He wants you to offer before Him. And as Psalm 5.3 says, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to You and I will eagerly watch. Lord, I've given it to You and now I want to see what You're going to do with this. Because I'm helpless to help myself. Because this situation is bigger than me. Because this moment is monumental and I don't know how to scale this mountain. So Lord, rather than try it in my own efforts, I'm just going to offer it up to You. Because the truth is, is even in those moments where we feel hopeless and useless and incomplete and all alone, the Lord promises us in Hebrews 13.5, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So even though when we feel like we are completely, completely alone, we can find peace in our Savior. Amen? To complete the thoughts of C.S. Lewis, he says, I pray because I cannot help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows through me all the time, waking and sleeping. It does not change me. It does not change God. Excuse me. It changes me. He said that as he was going through his wife's cancer, that would ultimately take her life. And that's how we need to live. That's how we need to deal with life and the hardships that are thrown our way. When things don't seem fair, when life seems too hard, when we feel like giving up, we need to go to the God who can. Amen. Amen. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus enters Jerusalem from the area of Bethage. And everyone hails him as a hero. He's triumphant Messiah the people go outside and they're singing and they're shouting and and they're taking off their jackets and it's just Hosanna, Hosanna, right? They're, They're excited that the Messiah, the promised one, has come. Even though the rulers and the rabbis, they deny Him. In the same account, in John chapter 12, verse 19, it it says that the Pharisees, after seeing all this and thinking all these things, as they look at Jesus and, and the authority that He's doing in dealing with everything that's taking place, they say, you know what? This man needs to be dealt with. He's got too big of a following. He's getting stronger than us. At his second coming into the city, as they cut through the olive garden, Jesus gets hungry. Mark eleven, twelve to fourteen. And he sees a fig tree that has no fruit. So he tells it to shrivel up because it's useless. And what do you think happens? The fig tree that was living shriveled up and died. It was a living example for His disciples to see. It was something for them to look at and say, oh, God is about to do something new to a fruitless generation. And from there, he enters into the temple and he sees it being run as a market. And what does he do? He gets angry and he starts to flip the table and he starts to scatter the the coins of those that were being money changers for profit. Mark 11.18 And the chief priests and the scribes, take a look with me. They heard this and they began seeking how to destroy Him. For they were afraid of Him for the whole crowd was astonished at His teaching. You see, Jesus and His disciples had spiritual mountains to overcome. They had traditions. that had great meanings, but had become empty. They had leaders that would have been longing for the awakening that Jesus had been saying He was bringing. And and that kingdom, that Jesus saying, hey, if you repent, if you come, then, then the kingdom of God, it's here. It's for you. I'm giving it to you. But the people, they were just so entrenched. They were scared by His teaching. And here there was others, the people, they were wanting the change. In fact, you, you take a look and men like Nicodemus, part of the Pharisees, part of the rulers, part of the leadership, he wanted the change, but what does he do? He meets with Jesus in secret and private. Why? I can't be seen with him. I can't be associated with him. They're too scared to go against popular belief. Don't we feel like that sometimes? Don't we feel like there's a big weight of popular belief today and what we need to do is not associate too tightly? It's a mountain of society. And every time Jesus enters the city, they're faced with these mountains. Popular belief. The rabbi's rejection. The chief leader's rejection. Oh, but the people are longing for the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, today, people are longing for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, when the spiritual mountains in your life are before you, He doesn't want you to climb it he doesn't want you to tunnel or burrow under it. He wants you to believe and ask. Take a look at verses 20 to 24 with me. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw that fig tree withered from the roots up. That same fig tree that Jesus spoke to had withered up and completely died in the morning. Being reminded, Peter said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed, it's withered. Uh, We got to stop just for a second. Don't you love Peter? He's Captain Obvious, I think, right? But what he is failing to see is the power and strength of God's word. Jesus' word is above everything, isn't it? Amen? And Jesus spoke. And it happened. Just as Colossians chapter three lets us know that Jesus spoke in creation. Jesus spoke. And demons cast out. Jesus spoke, and people rose from the dead. Jesus spoke, and Lazarus came out of the tomb. Jesus spoke, and the fig tree withers away, and it dies. And Jesus answered to him, saying, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, And he does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that they have been received and they will be granted to you. The disciples come to the area that Jesus had just told the fig tree not not too long before, and it withers, and, and, and it's gone, and they are amazed. Look, Jesus, it actually happened. Have you ever had one of those comments? Real quick, have you ever had one of those comments, right? One of those actuallys, right? How many of you guys, like, just your boss, he says, hey, I want you to do this, right? And, and when you do it, they say, hey, it actually came out good. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what that means? It means that they didn't think that you would actually hit to the level that they wanted you to do. They were expecting you to fail, And that's kind of what's taking place here with the disciples. They hear Jesus throw out this curse to the fig tree. They walk up to it, and it's dead. And they're like, whoa, it actually happened, Jesus. Jesus says, if you believe. If you believe anything can happen for you, the boundaries of growth, the spiritual fruit that God wants in your life, the relationship goals with God, they're open." if you ask believing. Because nothing can stand in your way when you ask God believing. There are three actions required for us here that Jesus says crush the mountains that are in your path. He says you pray. You ask. Believing. When spiritual mountains are towering over you, Jesus says, don't climb them. He says, pray. He says, call out to God in the moment of need and ask. Ask Him to intercede for for us. Ask Him to intercede. The word ask, ahetheo, it means to plead or to beg. To plead or to beg. God wants you to be specific with your request before Him, brothers and sisters. The Next, He says you need to believe. You can't just say it or ask it. He wants you to believe that it is already done. Jesus says, you ask, verse 24, it is already received. Sometimes in the Greek, the language of the writers that, that was the New Testament, there's something called the proleptic orist. Now I know I'm having grammar spasms. Some of you guys just shut out there. Okay? But follow along with me. What this means, it's a certain fulfillment because God has already determined that this will take place. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about that there are heavenly storehouses waiting for you. There's the promises of God that, that He has for you. But he wants you to search them and ask for them. And this is one of them. This is something that God has already said, I'm going to do it, but it requires you praying and asking. Jesus is saying the problem standing in front of you, of your spiritual life, that stronghold that's looming over you. He said, it's as good as done away with the moment you open your mouth and you ask the Lord. When you pray, ask believing. (laughs) Nothing will be impossible when you pray, ask believing. The word for believe here comes from the word faith, pisteo. And it's the word pustuo, And it means to entrust it. He says what you do is you you pray and you ask but you now you're believing meaning you're entrusting it to God. Why? Because it's not in your hands. You're not capable. You know we're not meant to go through life alone. God didn't design you to handle pressures and pains and pitfalls. Why? Because the original design for you and for us and for this world in the garden was perfection. There was no pain designed in the garden. There was no death designed in the garden. There was no heavy labor designed in the garden. In fact, l- labor, it was for fun. That's why the commandment, right? For six days shall you labor. And the seventh, you have to rest. Rest. God designed labor, God designed work for us to enjoy and, and see the fruits of what we're doing. But then he said, Hey, but but you know what, you guys do have to rest. It was the fall of man. It was our failure in the garden. It was when sin entered that all this pain that we can't carry, that we don't understand, when all this came crushing down on us, you weren't designed to handle it yourself. That's why God says, hand it over to Me. Believing and trusting it to Me. Because you can't handle it yourself. So get down on your knees. And you look at that mountain that's standing in your way. And you pray it away through my power and strength. The growth that we long for, the spiritual fruits that we long for, He says, just entrust it to me. You see, that's why when Jesus looked at that fig tree and it was fruitless, He cursed it and it died. And then He's looking over on the mountainside and He he sees Jerusalem because they had just come from there. And Jerusalem is that city on a hill that is talked about in Scripture. He's looking at it and he's, he's, he's seeing the people yearning for God. And he's remembering the chief priests who are saying, hey, we've got to deal with this guy. We've got to kill him. We've got to get rid of him. He's too strong. He's too powerful. People like him. He's talking about that mountain that needs to be scaled to produce the true spiritual fruits in our life. He's saying whatever is standing in your way spiritually that is preventing you from growing in Christ, whatever is in your way and is hindering you, whatever sin, whatever whatever is out there, whatever temptation that Satan is throwing your way, whatever is hindering you, whatever your eye is captivated by, whatever idol you're putting in front of God, he's saying you can speak at that mountain not about what you can do, but about what God has already said He will do. This is moving mountains in our life. The mountains can't stand when Jesus acts and moves. Amen? Look at verse 23. Read it again with me. Truly, I say to you. Now, when the Bible says truly, when Jesus says truly, he is is literally letting us know that this is a promise in our life that can be claimed. This is a truth. In fact, if you're reading it in the NIV, it probably says truly, truly. A promise on top of a promise. Truly, truly, I say to You, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. Lord, I want this problem out of my life because it's preventing me from producing fruit for You. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, it's the same thing. Taking place here. Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Jesus is looking at his disciples. And he's saying, whatever spiritual strongholds need to come down, you tell God about. He's looking at the Mount Olivet, where in a few hours, he's going to be praying himself, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. He's looking at Calvary, because remember, all those mountain peaks are all right there where they can be seen. He's looking at that pain he's about to endure on that mountaintop. Where he's going to take on the sins and the wrongs of the world. And it's going to produce the greatest fruit. Brothers and sisters, you and me. Forgiveness for the sins of the world. And he's looking at Mount Zion where the religious leaders had just rejected him and His miracles for the sake of their own power and tradition. Jesus is telling His disciples, even a tough enemy that is no match when you rely on God's strength and power. No religion and no sin is big enough. No mountain is too strong for God when you stand in faith, praying, believing, then Jesus applies faith to prayer. Look at verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray, ask, believe, you have received them, and they will be granted you. This isn't the only time Jesus taught His disciples about believing in prayer. Our faith will only be as strong as where it's coming from, which is our understanding of Scripture. Which again comes from us going to the Word of God, which goes to us learning from the Word of God, coming together as brothers and sisters, encouraging one another from God's Word. And holding on to the promises of Christ our Savior. Amen? And Jesus says you hold on to that believing. This isn't telling you to to go to God and say, well, Lord, I want fame. I want fortune. You know what? I want to be one of those uh, TikTok influencers and stuff because that sounds pretty cool. That has nothing to do with what God's telling us in Scripture. He's saying, when you come across the truths of God's Word that produce fruit in your life, spiritual fruit, and you find a barrier, you tell that barrier to get out of your way because your God is big and strong. You tell that spiritual mountain that you don't need to climb over, you don't need to dig under, you don't need to reroute, that you have a God who will cast it into the sea on your behalf. The key here is faith in Jesus Christ and what He has spoken truths into your life about. Pray, ask, believing. Years ago, I read a story about Cameron Townsend He was the founder of Wycliffe Bible Translators. As a young man in Central America, he went to preach the gospel to the unreached people. He was deep into the jungle areas where people didn't just speak Spanish. They spoke other languages. And while he was ministering to a tribal people one day, his life was changed forever when the man said, if God is so great. If your God is so great, then why doesn't He speak my language? And that simple question led to the formation of His mission agency dedicated to translating the Word of God into every language on earth. He took down the spiritual mountain that was stopping fruit. He clung to the words of God. We get all excited about getting power, don't we? But what matters is getting real. We get real with God and we tell Him we can't. We get real with God and we tell Him this is too big for us. We get real with God and tell Him we want spiritual victory over the temptation, the lust, or the sin. Or that we want growth in our life. That we want to produce spiritual fruit. That we want to see change in our work, in our homes, in our spiritual life, in our church. We seek through Christ and His Holy Spirit. We apply His Word to our life. And we become that type of person that loves people. And loves God above all things. Amen? We seek that. And when we're not seeing clearly, when we're not seeking the kingdom of God, when we're not looking towards Him, when we're not seeking the heavenlies and that which is seated at the right hand of God, we ask Him to tear down that mountain that's blocking our view. so we can get the clear picture. Brothers and sisters, we're not the mountain movers, but we know the one that is. Amen? Amen. What's standing in your way in your relationship with Christ? What is... The monumental mountain that's blocking your vision of God at work. That's stopping you from sharing with your friends. That's blocking your vision of Him and His kingdom at home. That's blocking your vision in your ministry life. Or preventing you from being part of ministry life. You know, God wants you to be a part of Him in every area, especially the church. The eye can't look to the foot and say you're useless. But you know what? If you're not acting as the foot, if you're not acting as the eye, if you're not acting as the hand, if you're not acting as the mouth, there's no such thing as a one-person church. So what's preventing you? You need to pray to the Lord, asking, believing. Speak to the mover of mountains. Whatever it is that's preventing spiritual growth in those areas of your life, you need to go to it. You need to talk to the Lord. You need to offer it up to Him. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I'm giving my kids up to You because I, I, I'm, I, I've tried every angle. Lord, I'm handing over my marriage to You because I'm not doing it well myself. God, I'm handing my job to You because, man, I don't know what to do next. Ask Him to tear down the mountains. Pray ask believing. Because you want to see the spiritual fruit that He wants to produce in your life. Amen. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.